Welcome back, everyone. We are starting season two of the Preacher's Corner podcast. Wow, season two. I hope you've enjoyed uh, season one. We have 10 episodes, and if you haven't listened to them, go ahead and catch up, and then uh, season two will be released shortly in uh, mid-January. So you know me. My name is Abraham Gomez. Uh, Please follow the podcast page on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Subscribe to it in whatever platform you listen to it. Leave, Leave me a comment. Uh, rate it with five stars. I want five stars. Give me five stars. Um, uh, give me your reviews, what you think uh, of it, what, how it's touched your life, how it's perhaps inspired you. Maybe you've shared it with somebody and they got something out of it. I'd really love to hear from you. Uh, I've been touched by all the messages that I've received of people that have been impacted by um, the guests on the podcast. Um, season two. I'm so excited. We have some great guests lined up. So you got to get ready because today... I'm joined by Josiah Lopez. He is a worship pastor at Soul Church in the Little Little Italy area of San Diego, Mm -hmm. California. You can follow him on Instagram at Josiah Music. Uh, Pastor Josiah and his wife, uh, Amber, have a single out called Nothing Else uh, on Spotify, YouTube, and and iTunes. I recommend you check it out. It's a wonderful song. Uh, He is a father, a preacher, a leader, and a photographer. So this creative uh, young man, what doesn't he do? Pastor Josiah, I am honored to have you on this podcast. Man, thank you so much. I've, I've listened to several episodes and um, the content has blessed me and I know so many other people, um, some of my friends have been on. And so thank you for creating a platform where, um, where people can be real and honest and maybe even talk about some of the things that um, they don't talk about on the platform. But like you've created a space for people to... Um, open up their hearts, and I think such a space is needed. So thank you for saying yes to the Lord in this, Finn. Amen. I appreciate uh, those kind words, and I'm so honored to have you. I know you have something to share with all of us. So uh, my first question to you is, um, what is this that I hear about? You do uh, night hikes, and you like to scare people? <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know if anyone is knows what the Enneagram is, but I'm an Enneagram 7 if you're an Enneagrammer, which means that I'm the enthusiast. So I'm always looking for adventure, and I did youth ministry forever. So um, yeah, I'm always looking for a good time, man. I, we've been out and, uh, and get these harebrained ideas to go hiking, and sometimes it's in the middle of the night. And so yeah, always looking for something fun to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> So I'm going to ask you a little rapid fire questions. Yeah, so let's go. One word answers. Tell me which favorite movie. Favorite movie. Oh, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. <laughs> Nacho. Concerned about your salvation. <laughs> favorite band. Favorite band now. Um, probably. Uh, man, probably the Ren Collective Project. All right. Favorite food. Thai food. Thai food. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, favorite pastime. Favorite pastime uh, with my family. My brother Caleb uh, built this three-story fort in the backyard, and uh, he's seven years older than me. And so, and we were homeschooled, so we used to be playing out in that thing like all day long, day and night. Our nice. family would be out there. We thought we were the Batman stunt show from uh, Six Flags. <laughs> <laughs> favorite sport? Uh, MMA. All right. So, do you have a favorite team or favorite fighter? Oh man. I kind of like some of the old, like some of the old guys, like Andre Arlovsky. I used to like hit watching him. Randy Couture. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of new guys out there right now, and I I can't even like. Who do you like? Frank Mir. Oh yeah, yeah, classic. 
right. with that heel hook. Oh when, man! When I first started watching MMA, it uh-huh. was Frank Mir, the uh, Iceman. Was yeah, Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell. So he grew up and he was from San Luis Obispo too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So we used to see him oh, not in the gym, but at Albertsons in the alcohol aisle all the time. <laughs> I guess that's how he trained for his big fight. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Um, favorite uh, scripture. Um, Second Corinthians five twenty one. <clears throat> All right. Can you quote it? Yes. All right. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. All right. Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich or Popeye's oh chicken sandwich? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I'm still on the Chick-fil-A bandwagon, man. Yeah. I, I ain't trying to get shot at Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I haven't had Popeye's in a long time. Uh, I actually haven't had a Chick-fil-A. I don't understand the hype of Chick-fil-A, I guess. We'll pray for you after. How about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll go to in and out I mean, they got scripture on the bottom of the cup. There right? we go. All right. We'll do that. All right. Uh, person you would most like to meet? Oh, Jesus. Uh, living? Living person? Living or dead. Either or. Yeah, Jesus for sure. That, that would be crazy um, and awesome. Um, I'm really enamored by Elon Musk. Um, okay. I, he's not like, just the way that his mind works, I think, would probably inspire a lot for me. So what do you think about that electric truck? Oh my God. <laughs> I saw so many funny memes. Did you see those? I like some, about yeah. how it was built? Yeah. Um, that, that thing, I mean, people think it's ugly. I would own that in a minute, bro. I would rock that thing so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Twitter, they had these, uh, Lego was tweeting out their version of it. Like, oh my God. Unbelievable. There's yeah. like, I saw this thing that was like, he was on the Joe Rogan show and like, you know, and because of the Joe Rogan show, he made this ugly design oh, God. doing things he shouldn't have done on Joe well, Rogan. Well, you got to work on those windows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so major work on that. Okay. Um, let's see. What is a pet peeve of yours? Maybe. Um, this is a weird one. I don't like when kids have dirty faces. Okay. Like, uh, you know, like kids, parents will like their kids will have spaghettios when they're babies and oh, they think yeah. it's cute. I never liked that. That always, yeah, that was always a pet peeve of mine. So Shiloh will always have a clean face. All right. My pet peeve is a Prius in the fast lane on the freeway. <laughs> I feel like you've experienced this a few times. Oh my gosh. So, you know, they want to save fuel and stay within that 65 mile hour threshold, uh-huh. right? And yep. get, the, get the electric battery recharging. But you know, there's 20,000 cars behind them that yeah. are being held back because of this Prius wants to take its sweet time on the fast lane. I saw this uh, I saw this diesel generator that was connected to an electric car charging station. And that's how they were charging their electric car with oh. the diesel generator. <laughs> Here, a true story. 78 East, this was about a, six months ago, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but I actually saw a Prius on the side of the road and the guy was... Filling it up with gas. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that's how it worked. Well, because it's got half, right? It's got like, I don't know, tank, 10 gallon fuel tank. Yeah. And obviously the electricity didn't get him far enough yep. to the gas station. That's the irony, right? Yes. I did want to take a picture of, of him, but then at the same time, you know, I didn't want to celebrate his misfortune. But I'm like, see, see. The evil side of me wants to always do that. Like, laugh when people fall. God's uh, still working on me in yeah. that way. But, like, I want to take a picture of that. Yeah. Pri- me too, bro. A Prius on the side <laughs> of the road. It's awesome. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things happening right now in, um, 
in in the world it's more specifically in the in the church world yeah. and um a well-known artist kanye west mm-hmm. had just released his album jesus is king and you know he's been doing this sunday service thing he started out off in the hills of calabasas and now he's been touring the country um what is your uh, your take on uh what kanye is doing um what your your opinion is and you know why do you think it's causing some controversy so people are kind of you know you know taking a, a wait and see approach yeah um i think i think um the gospel is messy sometimes man i've just seen that in my life like um i grew up in church but um the way that god completes the work that he starts mm-hmm. uh is messy sometimes. And so I'm so grateful that um, Kanye is surrounded by people who love Jesus, um, pastors who I feel like are solid, and I'm grateful for what God's doing in his life. Um, I Not that my opinion matters a ton, you know, right. but I think, that, um, I think that attention is being brought to um, the Lord and uh, to see the product of what Kanye has been in the past and what God is doing in his life. It's really hard for me not to celebrate that. Right. I know that um, I know that uh, people that I admire have have been like, well, let's be leery, let's see the fruit, and um, and I I totally understand that approach and no disrespect there. Um, but a lot of times when I feel like um, fear, like let's call it what it is, okay. we're like fearful of what it may happen. I've just learned to build a gag reflex to fear. Like fear never, the fruit of fear is never anything good. And so um, I think sometimes we can we can call it wisdom when really it's fear. Like we want to be wise about this, but really it's fearful. And uh, and a lot of times when I feel that um, that like uh, that thing that's like wants to be a little judgmental most of the time I just get in front of the mirror and I'm like man just a work in progress so many mistakes still so broken and so um it's really hard for me not to just celebrate what I I believe that the Lord's doing and um and choose to be prayerful about what God's doing in Kanye's life and the people around him and um so yeah I think that's where I'm at with it you know um one of my favorite songs is the first song, uh, Sing to the Power of the Lord. Comes yeah. Out. Uh, it reminds me of junior camp when I used to go to yes, junior camp. Yes, man. And, you know, it, that's what it reminds me of. Um, Pastor Nissan Stewart, who was a guest on the podcast on episode three mm-hmm. of season one, just had Kanye West uh, do a Sunday service at his church. And I spoke to him a little bit about it. Um, I want to divulge too much, but what Pastor Nissan did say was that it's amazing to see God's work in his life. Man. And the awesome thing about that is that he's reaching out to everybody because yeah. he wants to learn. Yeah. He's, he's hungry, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, people are judging him by by his past, right? Yeah. What he, he, you know, when I first saw him do the, or the, release the album, the first thing I thought of when he crashed the stage when Taylor Swift was accepted. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. <laughs> But then to see him like put this thing out for the masses to um, start thinking about God, yeah. right? Start thinking about spirituality and, and, and faith. And uh, one of my first impressions was, you know, uh, this 
uh, man, secular artist, right? Um, all the money and the fame would uh, put that aside, and it, it could act- actually even be career suicide. Once you know, totally. you've seen it where they 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 start singing um, Christian songs, and you know, they're you know they they get shut out or they you know get blackballed in in, in a sense. But for him to be not caring about his career, like he's had to have had some powerful experience with God. Oh yeah, man. You know, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, oh. totally. And and uh, and I think like because of his life, um, any celebrity life, everything is on display. All of history is on a timeline for everyone to see. Right. I'm so grateful that all of my history is not on a timeline for everyone to see. You right. know what I mean? Like I remember who I was. I remember who I've been. I know in in my heart the things that I'm still like. God, I need your grace in this space. And so, um, and so, I can't imagine the the pressure. That it's like for him, like navigating a new journey with the Lord right now with with people who it's friendly fire, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of friendly fire and and um, no disrespect to people who have taken a stance. But at the same time, like uh, I'm not going to liken him to Paul, but I, I, I wonder about that journey where like there's just a public um, a pub, such a public display of his life both what he's been who he is now and then all the projections about his future so i know there's probably a ton to talk about but um our staff uh is praying for him right um we pray on mondays and he's he's just to come up a couple times just god like thank you for what you're doing continue to do the work give him wisdom you know i think that's our our job as christians is is to pray for him and and just um and see what God does, yeah. And, and one last one last thing on this is it's almost like it's a microcosm of our lives, where we were at. Oh, right? yeah. Where we're at now and yeah. where we're going. <laughs> totally. So I, I, I think it's great. You yeah. know, I, I, I love some of the songs on there. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that just because I think it needs to be discussed because I think a lot of people are, like what you said, they have fear. Yeah. They're scared. So, yeah, fear, man, fear. I think just so much. You connect fear to most things and it'll poison it you know what i mean like even like um connect fear to like spiritual things and it'll poison it like that is not uh we've made partnerships with fear a lot as a church we're like i don't know about this and i don't know about this or um and it it, again it feels like wisdom sometimes but like you know what feel fear feels like in your guts and so even parenting out of fear rather than parenting out of wisdom, if, if I let fear in my love relationship with my wife poisons that, right? And so I think any time that we give space to fear and then and hug it like it's wisdom, there's just never good fruit out of it. And so I, I think that I'm trying to learn that coming from a very legalistic background right. where <clears throat> we would not weren't allowed to do anything and really like let's call it what it is it was fear i think there's a different approach i think there's a better way and um and we see that in the scriptures as well there's no fear in love and um and he hasn't given us this spirit this is not god is constantly trying to come against that spirit of fear and we've masked it and call it something else and i think we've got a detox from from the partnerships that we've made with fear Come on, that is a word. Fear poisons everything. Yeah. Write that down, somebody. 
So, you grew up in uh, San Luis Obispo. Yes, sir. Your, your, your father was a pastor. Um, he pastored a thriving church in the Central Valley that God, uh, he felt God called him to the area of San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Uh, you met, uh, then you met Amber, your, your wife. Yeah. And you moved closer to her in Bakersfield. Field. Then you it's felt true the, love right there. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get up and go. Then you felt the Lord calling you down here to San Diego. Um, how did you know it, uh, when it was time to move? Or how did you know that God was saying, hey, now it's time to go in another direction? Yeah, um, I think that I can't say with confidence when I was, uh, I think I was 20, 22 or 23 when I felt um, the Lord doing something like in my spirit. And I, I didn't know that what I felt was it was time to go. I felt a, an urgency for something. Um, and what I tell people about transition is that you, you always know if you're trying to run from something or to something. Um, I think specifically like right now, even with my generation, um, when things did get difficult with your senior pastor, with your leaders, like with your ministry, whatever it is, there, there can be a tendency to run because a fresh start feels like something appealing, right? right? But we always know when we're running from, from something and running to something. And, um, and I think at that time, I didn't know the voice of the Lord well enough to know that, that I was, tr uh, that it was running to something. I just felt an urgency for more. And I saw God doing something inside of a ministry that I was a part of. And I felt like I want to throw my whole life at this thing. And so um, I, I, I invited my pastor into that very early. I said, like, this is what I feel is happening. Mm -hmm. um, this was in 2000, uh, probably 12. And uh, I told him, this is what I feel like is happening. And this is what I think the, the Lord is calling me and Amber to. I think he's calling us to full-time ministry and to a life devoted to ministry. And so I invited him into that and I told him, I'm going to commit to a year. So for the next year, I want to develop leaders here for to take our place and to do this thing better than we can. And so um, I, I, I think your question was, how did you know when it was time to go? Right. I think it was kind of a slow fade. And um, I think what, what I felt was a stirring of God calling me to something. Um, and I didn't even yet know what that thing was. Okay. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper. You yeah. know, sometimes there's people, um, they're at the, at the place of worship that they're at and they feel like they've outgrown it or the famous line, they're not getting fed. Yeah. Um, how would you, um, advise somebody like that? Like, is it time to move on? Do I, is my season over in a sense? Yeah. Or, you know, I, I think that it's so safe to invite your pastors and leaders into that, like so, so early. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think people can, can, that can be, that can so easily become an isolating journey. Let's just say like the Lord is really calling you to something and, um, and he's doing something in your heart. If you isolate in that space and you don't bring voices into it, 
that can easily become a place of resentment where the Lord is trying to call you to something new and now there's a festering resentment in what is now. And so I think as you surround yourself with pastors and leaders and very early say like, this is what I'm sensing. Would you pray with me about this? I think that's the best thing um, to do and, and walk with people through that. And, and, um, and I don't think that God has to talk to 20 people at the same time, but I don't think that he, he, he won't like in our last transition, I, I have, I think 18 prophetic words from different people about transition. And so I, God didn't have to give me 18, but he did. Right. And so I think when we, when we isolate, um, it can be real easy to try to reason out some things that's spiritual. Um, and then sometimes you're just, you just are having a bad time. You're disconnected from your leaders. And so it's like, yeah, let's make a fresh start. And you're running from something and not to something. Preach. Pastor Josiah is preaching word <laughs> today. So, you know, your dad was a, uh, a pastor. What was it like growing up as a pastor's kid? Uh, and how did it shape you to become who you are today? I think it, it had almost everything to do with it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very young when when my dad uh, moved, my family moved from Kalinga to San Luis Obispo. And so I don't remember what that journey was like. But um, I remember just growing up in a in the smallest church plant ever. There was like twelve of us, yeah. you know, in San Luis Obispo, and um, and just grinding, man, set up and tear down for for almost twenty years. Um, I guess for me it was it was less than that, but for in total, um, set up and tear down for you know fifteen years of my life. And a church that never grew more than twenty people, mm-hmm. and so um, we can we can try to measure what success looks like often by what we see on the outside. I think this is what I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, we can we can look at that church plant and say that wasn't a success, but um, what my what the Lord told my brother was that while we thought we were building a church, God was building men. And so um, I see that as a time where my dad's yes to walk away from what looked great. And I think it was great. But to come in, to to leave a church that um, was, you know, 20 times the size of what he walked into and never grew. um, His yes was, I think, for his kids. It was for us and what God would do in us and develop in us. And so... um, you know, church planners and they start with 50 people and they, they're like, man, we're just, we're tiny little church with 50 people, man. I remember one, one Easter Sunday, we had 22 people and we're like, this is revival. (laughs) Like bring the new chairs out, you know? And so, um, yeah, God, God developed so much in us. And that was like ministry from men, like age six, you know, um, on. So I think it has so much to do with, with, um, what, my journey and um, even my transitions, like leaving a place that's established and it feels like everything is there and it makes no sense to leave. And then feeling like God is calling you to someplace and you don't even know, you don't even know anything about it. I wouldn't know until 20 years later that my dad's yes, a generation before me would empower my yes 20 years later. And so uh, I think it's Bill Johnson that says that we're we're building something now for a generation we may never see, 
And it's that generational legacy of life, I think, that that we have to see like my it cannot be about this season. It cannot be about 2019. This is like this is a long distance journey that we're building for the kingdom of God and a global church. Yeah, and I think we can be like have that myopic vision where we, we want to see results like here oh, and now, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. if we don't see it then then we're running away, right? Yeah, totally. So you, you were six years old when you preached your first message, huh? <laughs> Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I was. I actually talked about faith, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. I uh, I was just terrified, and I was crying, and 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 it wasn't because I felt the Holy Spirit. I was just so scared <laughs> that I was just crying the whole time. I read all the verses I knew on faith, and I don't even know what I said. And then I just like walked off. And you know, you know, all the church the church mothers are like. Yes, bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. What a word. <laughs> it was terrible, man. It was terrible. But then you led worship, what, 15? Yeah. When you're, when you're... yeah, we. St- I mean, we started, like our whole family, you know, it was just the church. We right. were the staff. Right. So we started, I was singing convalescent homes at like five and six. And then I started um, regularly leading our church in worship, I think, at I was, I was 15. And um, I knew like three chords, but that was all you needed for church music. <laughs> That's all you still need. Um, so yeah, I started leading worship and, uh, and you know, grew, grew, grew. It was basically just me and my sister and a guitar for, uh, for a few years. But So when you were in Bakersfield and you made the move to San Diego, uh, you were at that time part of a, a Christian rock band, uh, Terra Firma. Yeah. Um, and those shows um, you said were life-changing for yeah. you. Uh, what was it that was life-changing? And maybe explain a little bit about the, the band or what you what you did. Or yeah. So kind of like timeline-wise, I, I left San Luis when I was 18, moved to Bakersfield. And when I moved to Bakersfield, I went from this church that was like 15 people to a church that was 400. It mm-hmm. may have well been 40,000. Yeah. It was like a mega church <laughs> to me, right? So I started at Truth Tabernacle and I... Um, was there for five years during that time um, in youth ministry and serving with the youth team and leading a, a choir. And I met these guys um, that I was playing with often, Aaron and Cameron, and we started this rock band. And we, I think and we were just having fun originally. We were just, it was basically like a, a skillet. We were playing like Christian rock music. Yeah. But because we were connected to youth, we would we started this thing called Gravity Live, and basically we put on this event where we would invite kids from the community. We would play these rock like sets, and then we would transition to worship. And it would be like it would just be like smooth transition, right? We'd hold the same chord. I would speak a little bit, share the gospel, and then we'd go into worship. And we started seeing these neighborhood kids that came for a rock band, giving their lives to Jesus, and right. just like. God would move incredibly. Um, and and I think it, honestly, I don't know that it was necessarily our intention to do that. I think it's what felt natural, but we didn't have some big plan. But we would see what God would do for people that never would have come to church. And they would come to this, come to this, these things. And um, God would do, uh, God would just rock people, man. So that was that was life changing for me because i i i think i had put god inside of a box in mm-hmm. a way yeah. i thought god would move like that 
at the altar on a Sunday night. Wow. And it showed me that his intention for humanity, like he just wants to move, like create a space for him to move and he'll move. It wasn't because we were some great talented musicians or had a great plan. We just were like, this is what feels right in the moment. And um, I'm, I'm kid, not kidding you, man. Like, I remember we did this show in LA one time and this kid, this like kid, punk rock looking kid with crazy hair and like tattoos and, yeah. and, and piercings everywhere uh, was up at the front, like rocking out in our show. 30 minutes later, he's got his hands lifted and he's speaking in tongues and he doesn't even know what tongues is. That's he's amazing. just... And so to me, I was like, man, Lord, I think this is it. I think it just clicked, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I, that was what what felt made us feel like, I think there's something that we have missed a little bit and something that God's calling us to. And so it's just open up your mind and expanding your 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 vision for really how God moves. Right. Because, yeah, in the last days, you'll pour out his, his, uh, spirit. his spirit upon all yeah. flesh. Right. In different settings and different areas. Um, and you're, I love what you said that when you create a space, that's it. That was moves. it. Like, uh, it wasn't in, it wasn't like our innovation or our cool ideas. We just gave them a space. And so whatever like your space is as an audience, uh, is that's a creative space. Like God has gifted you in specific ways. If you'll make space for them at your business, if you'll make space for them at your at your HOA, if you wherever you make space for him, like he'll fill that space. And so, um, and he wants to. Like you don't have to beg him to. Like that's his desire. Amen. Uh, you and your wife are very gifted uh, singers. Um, Thank you. The word on the street is that. Uh, you're amazing worship leaders, and you usher in the presence of God. You and your wife are are a powerful team. How has she helped shape your faith walk? Um, man, how much time do you have? <laughs> we got, we got. Time. <laughs> you, when I moved to Bakersfield, um, I think I I was so used to like church and so used to yeah as a pk you just you know how to do it you know um and i don't think i understood what intimacy with the lord was mm. i think i knew what it was supposed to look like but never had really experienced it and um and and i wouldn't know that moving to bakersfield and connecting with her and seeing how she loved the lord and um, and just experiencing him, him in a new way with her, I, I wouldn't know. I had no grid for how that would change me. And even now, like, um, I feel like sh she's been so inspirational to me last year, this year, last week. Um, the way that she is, hears him and loves him and um, her wisdom, like... I just, God knew, uh, right, what what I needed. But um, she's like my coach, man. She's, yeah. she, she's, I think she's my pastor sometimes. And um, just so grateful for the team that, um, that, that he wove together. He knew, you know, but I think, I, I can't say enough about how she has shaped 
um, my rhythms and my relationship, and then the things that God has done with us together, like he's invited us into yeah. together into that that secret place and that intimacy. Um, so I, I don't even, there's too much to say, but it's been, it's been everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that also there's, you know, you, you can really feel it. You can sense the number one, the togetherness, Mm -hmm. but you can also sense the, um, the, uh, you're supporting one another. Sometimes, um, you could see couples where one of them is gifted with ministry. The other one isn't and almost like they're fighting Mm -hmm. one doesn't want it. And that's why. Now let's ask it's this question, you know, when you're looking for somebody to date, what is the most, one of the most important things to look for? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think that it matter. I don't think that, that there's one person, like, I don't believe in that, you know, I don't believe that like there's one person. I think that, uh, that the Lord speaks, <laughs> And so, um, not that I was necessarily asking the Lord, like that was just grace, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but I I think that we can invite him into that space. If you're like, if you're of dating age or marrying age, man, I would lean into the Lord and, and hear from him. And he, he's not silent. He has so much to say. And so, um, I think that, that what stuck out to me before I even met her was that she was worshiping and the Lord was moving. And that was like, what is that? Like there, there's something there, you know? Um, and so that was what attracted to me, what to me, to her, obviously she's beautiful as well, but like there was a presence that was being ushered in, in that space. And that's what drew me. And so I think you can, I think you can sense what people carry, mm-hmm. hear the Lord. I wish it was as easy as like, look for one thing. I'm sure there's people that are much wiser than I that can <laughs> offer that. But um, I think that togetherness in in the will of the Lord is what for us has been so binding together. And we certainly like don't have it all figured out. <laughs> we're, we're still working through some stuff. And, um, and because we're in the same lane sometimes yeah it can kind of be like i think i know one way she you know what i mean right but that's the partnership and that's the beauty of it and we we get to champion each other on um through that journey so so you uh at one point were the uh young adults pastor at lighthouse church Mm -hmm. down in uh, chula vista um somebody told me that when you signed on to um be there full time you never mentioned that your wife was an amazing singer <laughs> and they were blown away by your humility. Um, and that's what I sense coming from you. When I speak to you, there, there's a humility, there's a, a genuineness to really want to love on people and, and, and help people. So wow. you started a, um, a, a youth group. It's called um, X. Do you want to describe what that is? Yeah. Um, well, I, I was at Lighthouse for seven years as the youth and young adults pastor and um and man i'm just so grateful for for pastor sam pastor josh like those those guys i felt like molded so much in me and um i'm just so grateful for their lives and influence um i don't even know why they hired me thinking back i'm like i knew nothing man like <laughs> the lord knew but uh, i still don't know a ton but uh, but god um 
did so much in in that time. So we we um we rocked together for about five five years in ministry and serving and saw God do ton of stuff on high school campuses and uh, it was beautiful. And then um, I think it was December of 27, 2018. I can't remember now. I'm mixing it up. But um, I was praying about what the Lord would do next. I knew that he was going to do something next. And, oh, it, that's what it was. it was. It was December 12th. We, I invited students and leaders to come to my house and pray on a Sunday night. And um, Today's December 12th. No way. Yes. No, oh, no way. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So I invited um, I invited um, some leaders to come and pray at the house. And God um, wrecked us, man. Like, he marked us in a way that we had never seen him before. And, um, and it was like one of those things where he's inviting you into some space and you just... You don't have a grid for it. And so um, we, I think two weeks later, we prayed again. Um, and then during that time, uh, people were experiencing like gifts of the spirit that I didn't, I didn't have knowledge. <laughs> like I didn't, I don't think I could have told you what the gifts of the spirit were. Yeah, I know a few of them. Yeah. But like people were like seeing, saying things and it was almost like, wait a minute. No, you know, um, we had like some 12 year olds having word of knowledge about people. And it was like, I was like, I think I need to figure out what's happening. I don't know what's happening here. But we started to see the supernatural. And that's not what we were asking for. We just wanted to see the Lord. And the supernatural started happening. And so um, I was in my office one day. And I, I was with uh, one of my friends. And I was like, man, let's contend for what the Lord's doing. And I, it just felt like all at once I saw um, this vision of of uh, youth and young adults, and they were wearing these white T-shirts with with an X on them. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't understand the prophetic really. I didn't understand like revelation, interpretation, application. Right. So what I got was revelation, and I wanted to go application. You know, like <laughs> let's get white T-shirts with red X's. You know what I mean? I didn't understand it yet. Um, uh, but what the Lord would show me was that he was, that it was his desire to release freedom. And I think freedom all encompassing, freedom to see the Lord, freedom from something, which I think most of us experience when we come to the Lord, we experience freedom from something. Yeah. But there's two parts of freedom. The other part is a freedom to something. And I think that's where we had come. We had, we had, become free from something, but we had now become in new, almost like neutralized Christians, not active, not experiencing the freedom to. And, um, and so over the next course of time, I would gather the team and we would just start contending for the supernatural. And we would, we would partner our gifts of creativity with the supernatural. And we started this thing called X. And I, we, we started, I think as an event, changed the youth group name, but we just invited people to come. No seats. We we moved all the chairs out, moved into the sanctuary. We would stand the whole time. We would worship together. We would experience God in incredible ways. The supernatural would happen. And it wasn't weird. Yeah. It was like, only time I'd ever seen that, it was weird. And just, 
I don't know, like, I think humanity, when you mix humanity and lack of wisdom and not that we knew what we were doing, but it just wasn't weird. Like, it was just like, this is what God was doing. And, and people, something about the prophetic is, um, it, it will launch people into destiny. Something mm-hmm. about that word can activate something in people. So we were seeing people just activated. My sister, who had been so far from God, she came to a youth group. The young people, well, I'm talking about like young, young people. They laid hands on her, began to prophesy over her life. That moment, like that, it changed everything. Like she is a different person from that day forward. She wants to pastor a church now. Wow. <laughs> but God's doing these incredible things. But we saw it over and over. Like uh, we didn't have the wisdom for it. Literally, the Lord walked us into it. And so um, they're still going. They've got a, an incredible, you know, Pastor Nick Tarango. Oh, yeah. He was just a guest. A, yeah. Just a, an incredible spiritual father. And um, and still just cultivating that now. They're, they're doing better than when I was there. They're killing it. And so... Um, so grateful for, for that and what God started in me at that place. You know, I, I was the student as well. Yeah. Still am. That's amazing. But you said something very key that really, really touched me right now. It was the freedom from something and the freedom to something. Yeah. Talk, talk about how, uh, maybe we as Christians were, yeah, we're free from something, but now there's an abundant life that God has promised Told, us. That's and, it. And What's keeping us from that freedom too? Um, big questions. I, I'm not the expert in anything, but that, that's the key, man. John 10.10 10 is that the reward of the cross is the abundant life. Yes. That's the reward. And, and so it's already been paid for. And I just feel like for so many years, I was so grateful to to be from something that I didn't even understand that there was an abundant life waiting for me. Yeah. And um and so you know I almost see it like mercy and grace and uh like mercy means that you don't have to pay what you uh owe, right? right. I, I'm going to I'm going to pay for you don't have to pay what you owe. So it puts you at zero. Like we're square. Right. And and grace though is the two Grace is, and now I'm giving you a reward that you don't deserve. And I think that I've, I think I've settled for mercy. So grateful for mercy because, because I'm like, I'm debt free, but still I'm at zero. And so I think what the Lord is inviting the church into in this next season is really the abundance of grace in our lives and seeing the supernatural, not for the sake of the supernatural, but because it was always the intention that the church would walk in the supernatural to see the miraculous, to see the miraculous happen in, in lives, that we would walk into situations and declare the presence of the Lord to change things in the moment, to change things into city, to change things into a nation. That's the abundant life that is not just for us, but for us to release to the world and to the nations. And so um, I think it's just a faith thing, like grab a hold of the reward that Jesus already died for and walk it out. Like it's available to you. Preach, my brother, preach. Oh, man. Get me stirred up, man. No, no. <laughs> life of abundance, right? That's what he promised. Yeah. And sometimes, oh, come on, just... Preach. Now go, man. You preach to us. <laughs> praise break right about now. 
So you you would speak to uh, Christian clubs in in uh, high schools and and middle schools. Yeah. Um, a two part question here is, um, how do we reach our youth now? And there's so much available to them, so much being thrown at them. Um, and and the the second part of it is, uh, why are you so passionate about our young people and our and youth? Um. <sighs> I think I'll answer them the other way. I think I'm so passionate um, because I didn't know what that was like growing up. I didn't have like a youth pastor that that would um, would come alongside me and walk with me through stuff. I had a, a, some brothers that were like that did their best and they're amazing. I remember my brother Caleb used to teach Sunday school to me and my sister. That mm-hmm. was the Sunday school class. Yeah. So grateful for that. But um, I think being able to see the impact of leaders when I moved to Bakersfield, like there were there was a youth leader team that was praying and investing into the, these youth, and I saw the fruit of that, and I was like, I want to be a part of that, um, and I like desperately wanted to be a part of it. Like I wasn't on the staff, and I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start a Bible study at Starbucks, you know? And I didn't even know what I was preaching. I didn't have any much to say, but. Um, just I felt I felt like there's just such an opportunity there, and um, and so I think for us, if you think about like what didn't you have, can you be what you didn't have to a young person? Mm. We all get the opportunity to be what we didn't have, right? Um, and so I said yes to that, and I think that's what inspired the passion. And then being given the platform, you know, at Lighthouse, like they they said yes to me. And, and they trusted me. And uh, and so I just ran as fast as I could um, with what little knowledge I had yeah. to, to try to say yes to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was another question? How do, how, do, <laughs> how, how, do, how do we reach our youth now? Uh, you know, parents yeah. struggling with them sometimes. You know, how, how do we get to their heart? Um. Well, I want to speak from my mistakes. I don't. I don't think that that the emphasis on relevance is the answer. Mm. Um, I think that there's a partnership, and like I think we can use the devices, um, but there's a deeper thing, um, and the gospel is enough. The gospel is, is enough. Like the. The, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus um, is enough. And the presence of the Lord changes people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's that's almost like so simple um, that it's too simple, but it's not too simple, man. The presence of the Lord changes people. And so if we can make this partnership where we care about the students to know what matters to them, and create a context where the presence of the Lord can be in what matters to them. Uh, X looked like uh, very, very, very creative um, pieces, videos, uh, uh, their LED screen. Like we're, I'm not against it. Right. Um, uh, people painting on stage, people dancing on stage, people worshiping like crazy lights, dance party, all of that stuff. But I think what I learned with Terra Firma is that the presence of the Lord is not an enmity with 
activity. Right. And so the partnership of what it what students are into and a place for the presence of the Lord to move is is I think how we do our part and we let him do his part. Mm. It can't be like it can't be all all uh, on us. You mm. know what I mean? We're not going to save anybody. Right. And we'll be exhausted trying. That's very true. Now you've been saying, oh, you know, little knowledge, you know, that I had, or you know, I don't know what I was doing. But um, you speak from a place of wisdom and a place of discernment. I, I don't know if you're real, really recognizing that, but that's that's what I discern. Um, and so, Pastor Josiah, what are some of the things, perhaps, that you wish you could have done differently? As you alluded to in the, you know, the previous question, you know, you made some mistakes. Um, Perhaps, you know, whatever you feel free to share, but what would you feel like that maybe I could have done this better that has helped shape? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm grateful for the mistakes, but I don't know how much I actually did right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there was a couple of things that I'm like, yeah, I heard the Lord there and I said yes. Um, Most other things were just swing and a miss. I hear you. Um, But I think because my heart is, is for young leaders... Um, I, I've taken inventory of the places where I know I've missed it and, um, and some things I wish I would have known, like, this is what I wish I would have known. Um, I wish I would have known that God's will is not a mystery. Mm. Um, he's not hiding it from us at all. I don't know where I thought, uh, where I started thinking that God was like, trying to hide this thing and then eventually I would find his will. I yeah, don't I don't yeah. know, but that is so far from the truth. Uh, I think we've placed the target on the wrong thing because the, his will has has looked like a platform or a ministry or a um, an end all or something an, an end all and it, and I think because we've done that, that is always out in front of us. but God's will is not is not a place, a position. An, a, a, a destination it's a person mm-hmm. and so his will is always in front of us God's will is that all would be saved um, and to me that can make things very simple for me like right now the will of the Lord is this you and I here um, and that's simple next you'll go to you'll go have lunch with somebody right. and that's going to be the will of the Lord for you and I think that I spent so much time asking for the will of the Lord. And, and, and what I, the message when I don't hear what I think I want to hear is that he's distant from me. Yes. When really he's like, her name is Ashley. His name is Jerry. It's that 12 year old right there. Or it's that 21 year old that just texts you. Um, and, and I think when we allow it to be that present for us, it's there's so much that the Lord can do when we'll just say yes to the will of the Lord in the in the simple like that is the will of the Lord it's yeah. the simple. It, it's almost like we make it like mystical, right? It, and it's funny what you're saying is I I thought that I pray, God what is you like I'm yeah like I'm chasing something yeah. and it's right in front of us. I want I wonder even almost as pastors, man, if we've mm. we've manipulated that a little bit where we want to be the ones in tune and like to know 
And so we've almost projected this this thing. There was a man I respected so much, still do. But I, I, he used to say, I won't say that God told me, but I was made to know. And um, the message I heard was that if God won't speak to him, he's not going to speak to me either. Right. I don't think that's what he meant to say, but I think that was the intention of the enemy for me to hear. And so um, I think if we're not careful as leaders to present the will of the Lord as simple, like it's not a mystery, um, we will put people in, in like this chase where they're exhausted looking for something that they won't find because they passed up what they were looking for. Mm. And we're talking about pastors and, and ministry. Why have, uh, what are some of the mistakes that are being made in ministry? And maybe why have some of the, our leaders perhaps lost their joy or gotten tired? And... I'm going to speak from personal experience. I mean, I can, t- I can speak of my mistakes all day, but um, <laughs> I think that, I think that one of the one of the things is um, that I just don't know if I knew was um, the emphasis and importance of a healthy soul. Like I grew up thinking counseling was for sissies or something. Mm-hmm. Like like don't go to counseling. Don't talk to somebody about what's happening within you. Just talk to God. And I didn't realize that that God uses humans in partnership to help me like see what, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's a partnership there. Um, but what it did to me was it, it created a place where I I would just suppress my pain Mm -hmm. and like act like it wasn't there enough. And what that's called is performance. Yeah. So as shepherds, like we, we don't have the people that we're, talking to we feel like counseling or that kind of conversation is beneath us and so what we do is we stuff 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 look at the statistics of pastors failing moral failures you think that's because they i don't think that's because they desire to sin i think that that's a buildup of things that have been suppressed and suppressed and suppressed and it becomes the outlet for people dealing with their pain in an unhealthy way the thing is never the thing you know, right. like, and so, um, it's I just think the symptom. it's the symptom, like that sin is the symptom. And so, um, look at it like you, you, you've lost your, you, when you lose your power, you run to pornography. Mm. That's how you gain your power back for, for a moment. Um, it's always the symptom, man. You, 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 um, lose the security you run to an affair. I'm going to be more secure and calm. Like, it's just always a symptom. So. Um, and I think that can just go on and on, but healthy soul, John three, um, third John one, two, um, I would that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Uh, I've heard that a million times, but I think because I didn't understand necessarily the soul, I didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. What the author's saying there is though, this, there's a direct and deliberate connection between health my body my skin and the health of my soul yeah and if i don't know how to tend to my soul i can perform all i want but it's only a matter of time before i hit a brick wall but if i my soul can be healthy then i minister from a place of health 
um, um, I, I operate out of a place of health and I'm not going to burn out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run dry because my soul is healthy. Mm-hmm. But I think the pressure we feel as leaders is to make it look good. Like it yeah. doesn't matter how, who cares about your soul? Make it look good. Yeah. Like package it, package it, yeah. like make it look good on Instagram, make it look good to the church, make preach good. And man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've preached just so dry because I didn't know that there was, that it mattered what my soul was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just stuffing, stuffing, stuff, my insecurity stuffing and it coming out over here. My pain stuffing, childhood stuff, man, seven years old, I was molested, stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And, um, and so I think just, I think if we don't know that, like we've got to prioritize those things and get to the root, like the Lord will help you with that. Mm-hmm. But he's also giving you people to walk with those things. And yeah. so um, I think I've learned to just sit with him, yeah. sit with him and say, what is that? Like, what is this thing that I, you know, this, this thing I've, um, so many times, like the thing I heard uh, still here, um, because you perform as a PK, like you make it look right, yeah. is that you, 20, 25 years old now, I'm doing the right things. I love the Lord. And the, the thing I hear is, man, you're a fraud. Yeah. You're a fraud. Like, yeah. But if they knew who you really were. And I believed that I was a fraud. Yeah. And it, would ju- it had just been, so it was like, well, perform more. So they think that. But um, you've got to get to the core of what, what you believe and take every thought captive and sit with the Lord on where is it that I started believing that I was a fraud. Bible says the Holy Spirit will will um, bring things to remembrance. So for me, the process has been take me back to the moment yeah. where I started believing this, and then let's remove that lie, and let's re- replace it with the truth. They shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. Um, the truth is where freedom is, man. Yeah. And so um, I think I think we can get exhausted. We can lose our joy. We can wonder about who we are and what's next and all that because we haven't prioritized the truth of what the Lord has said about us not as a a, a daily affirmation mm. like truth is soul deep who cares what you listen to at night if soul deep you don't know about the truth about who you are mm. and if you're not willing to go soul deep to hear the truth about who you are then then listen to all you want to like say all your daily affirmations do all the self-care. If there's no soul care, we won't be healthy. You know, and I've heard that those terms, soul care, self-care, self-love, and I, we're suppressing, suppressing. Um, we, we don't, sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable. Well, you're a, you're a, you're a faith leader. You're struggling with that. Well, mm. Oh, you, you oh, yeah. that. Oh, you did that. And I think sometimes uh, that pressure is just unrelenting. Oh, yeah. That you got to be, like you say, it's a performance, but at the at the expense of, of your your heart and your soul. And and you tell what you're teaching people as a leader is that you need to do what I do. Mm. If you're vulnerable, you'll set them free. Ooh. This is this is what happened in the beginning. Um, Genesis three five, they eat the apple. Um, 
and and because of that shame is introduced and then shame will always create distance that's a message in itself mm. shame will always create distance don't partner with shame we want to pay the penance of shame but really all it's doing is causing distance the lord comes and asks a question and what he does is he asks for their vulnerability he knows the answer right he says where are you and he lets them answer a question but if they wouldn't have answered the question with their vulnerability the distance would not have been closed. Mm. So he invites us into those things. I'm not saying go tell everybody everything you've ever done. But when's the last time you told the Lord something he already knew? Yeah. When's the last time that you were vulnerable with the Lord to say out loud what he already knew, but he's asking you to help close the distance to remove shame? I think that often is what sets off the places where now I can come alongside my brother and say, hey, man, I've just been hearing this. Like, I know this is a lie, but like, I need to share this with you. This is what's been going on in my life. And uh, I think as leaders sometimes, you know, they say it's lonely at the top. And I think that all that's true. But sometimes it's a, we did that to ourselves Because when someone asked us how we're doing, we deflected. Yeah. And then we asked them how they were doing. Mm. So that we can take the alpha leader position again and not talk about what's happening. And really, um, and so it's it, it can become self-victimization, like nobody asks about me and nobody cares about me. Yep, you didn't let anybody in when they asked you how you were doing or when people tried to reach out, you told them God is good, things are great. And, um, and you didn't prioritize your soul. And so you've trained them how to talk to you. Don't ask the big questions. Let's talk yeah. about how good church is. You create your own cycle. Oh, man. It's so isolating, man. I'm going to ask you a, a broad question. Yeah. And, and, and uh, however you want to answer this, but what does grace mean to you, Pastor Josiah? Um, it was September 24th, 2005, when um, I was at In-N-Out and I read the scripture I'd heard a ton of times um, again. And um, this time it did something to me. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. I think because the righteousness of God or that title was so weighty for me that it was easy to just gloss over. But when I considered that Jesus had taken the identity of sin so that I could take the identity of Jesus... And I actually was the righteousness of God completely. I am the righteousness of God. Something hit me that washed away like the way I had white knuckled my walk, my faith in my walking with God. I felt like my, I knew that, like I knew all this stuff cerebrally, like Isaiah 64, 6, my righteousness is, is filthy rags. Like, I knew all that. Grace, yeah, 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 grace, cool, cool, cool. But when I realized that I was righteousness of God, and I, he had take, taken what I deserved so that I got what Jesus deserved, and I just was, that's it. Like, I am. Um, honestly, man, I... I left and I went home and I cried for hours. I just didn't have words. I didn't know what to say. 
Um, I still feel the Lord just thinking about it. Um, but every notion of like performance, achievement, everything that got introduced in Genesis 3, 5, where he said, if you eat it, you'll be like God. What he was saying was like, you're not enough. So do something in order to be something. Everything got washed away. And I felt like in that moment, I went back to day seven where it was just enough. Like Adam was just enough, man. It was just enough. And um, I think I, like I couldn't be the same after that. Um, and so grace has become every, like everything. Like when I say the gospel is enough, like it's enough because when you know, like you just believe on the Lord, the fruit of grace is obedience. Mm. The fruit of, of, of grace is obedience. Jesus, oh man, Jesus, the woman um, caught in the act of adultery, John chapter, chapter 8, um, Jesus says, um, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, right? right? The church says, go and sin no more and I won't condemn you. Stop sinning and I won't condemn you. We got it backwards. So the fruit of God's grace on her life would be a lack of sin. Do you think that Jesus said what he was saying was, this is how I used to hear it, I'm gonna give you one chance, don't do it again. Did Jesus put the law back on her? No. In that moment, grace empowered her to live a lifestyle she could not have without it. I guarantee you Jesus didn't put the law back on her when he pushed the Pharisees away in that moment. Grace empowered her to live a lifestyle of righteousness that she had no grid for, no context for. So when we present the gospel, the real gospel that is grace, like Paul presented the gospel in a way that people are like, what do you mean? So, so I can just sin more then? He presented it that way. Right. I think we're not presenting the gospel if people are not asking that question. Because his response was, if you'll receive grace, the fruit of grace is obedience. Yes. And man, I experienced that in my life that when I saw that, like I'm the righteousness of God, the desire for things, I'm not the person that's like, you know, I never had a taste for that again. But the grace in me was so strong that it was like, it was like, man, I'm just the righteousness of God. I thought I was a fraud. So you're telling me I'm the righteousness of God. And now my whole life is different. I, I cannot be the same from that. And so um, I think that's like, that's what my life has to be about now, man, is, is allow, like, he did it. Yeah. He did it. Man was day, made in day six. Genesis 2, 7, God, the breath of life, breathed into man and man became a, a living being. I believe the moment man breathed in that first breath, it became day seven. Because I don't think man ever lived in a work that was not complete. So the moment man breathes in, he breathes into day seven. And God says, like, it's good. And he rests, right? So seven is the day of rest. Well, man steps back into day six, the day of man. Mm -hmm. He eats the apple and he comes out of a completed work. And now he's trying to get into day seven with his own work. 
I'm going to accomplish and attain and perform and I'm not enough. And I'm going to, and God's like, you can't get back into seven by yourself. So Jesus comes and at the cross, watch this. He breathes out his last breath, right? The same breath he breathed into Adam and it became day seven. Jesus says it is finished and breathes out his last breath and it becomes day seven again. Ooh. And it is finished again. Preach my brother we gotta be we gotta stay in seven man Ooh, gosh. we gotta stay in seven any time the only way that we can fall from grace is we go to the law mm. come on I'm tapping I'm... <laughs> wow I am truly receiving this right now personally for me wow oh, man our, our sin our mistakes um, forgiveness who deserves it and why I think the answer is none of us. Do we deserve it? No. Um, but he's good. Like his great love for humanity transcends all of that. We, do, we don't deserve his goodness. We don't deserve his grace. But that's the story of the gospel is that I didn't deserve it. I can't deserve it. Can't attain it. And I don't need to. So unbeliever, like atheist, pastor, Buddhist, wherever you are, breathe out. You can't deserve it. Like take a, you can't deserve it and you don't have to. But, but if you'll just believe on the Lord, let him take it for you. Let him take the cross so you don't have to. Um, yeah, I think that's a simple answer for me, man. Pastor Josiah is bringing some heat today. You're the worship pastor and your wife are the creative directors at Soul Church San Diego. Yeah. What is true worship? What are the maybe misconceptions of what true worship really is? Yeah, um, it's Romans 12, 1, I believe. Um, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. Um, this is my reasonable act of worship mm. to present myself, living sacrifice. How did I become holy? I can't. <laughs> um, so I just give of myself holy because he made me holy. Yeah. Um, acceptable. Because I'm the righteousness of God justified. Present myself. I don't think worship is singing. I think it's an act of worship. Um, but I think to present myself to the Lord and say, thank you. Here's my life. Like, it's actually your life now. Um, not as my penance for what you did or like the exchange. But as I said yes to you, it literally, it like I have, don't hear me wrong here, but I've become Jesus. If you became me, I became you. Mm -hmm. And so here, here I am. Um, and so I, I think that um, worship is not limited to music and not at all. It's like whoever is listening to this, God has made you so incredible, so unique. The Bible says that he 
that you were formed before the foundations of the earth. He, before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. And the know is yada. It's not a knowing of intellect because he's omniscient. It's a knowing of intimacy. It's the same yada that Adam knew Eve and they conceived his son. So God knew you in intimacy before you were born, which means that you are eternal, not just after you die, but before you begin. And so how can we believe in the supernatural? Well, you are the supernatural. I mean, technically, you're more supernatural than you are natural. So walk in who you are. Just be like, you are incredible. Like humanity is incredible. I mean, this may be a stretch, but like if I was eternal, then, and, and he knew me in intimacy and relationship before like in eternity, then I was before earth and like, I might've seen it happen. I mean, <laughs> right? Like I'm incredible um, in all humility because God's incredible. Right. Um, present this life, this incredible life before the Lord and say, hey, this is yours. And uh, uh, my wife and I did photography for a while. I, I own a, a different company now and, um, I get to worship by presenting my life with my company as a boss, um, with my clients. Um, I get to worship and lead worship with a guitar. I get to lead worship and creativity. You get to worship by presenting this podcast, making the sacrifice. Um, we get to worship by giving ourselves to the Lord and, um, and I think the misconception has been that worship is limited. I'm not a worshiper because I don't sing. Um, or even further, that worship is the thing you do before the preaching. Yeah. It's not. It's giving your life, it, which is actually the life he gave for you. If you had just one chance, you would never see this person again. If you had one chance to tell someone about Jesus, what would you say? Um, I would say the thing I knew bet I know best, and I would just tell them quickly my story. Like I am a very broken man um, who's experienced a lot, a lot of pain, um, a lot of joy, and uh, and I, I missed it in so many ways. And I felt myself striving and struggling and trying to achieve and felt those moments where I was on my own, like just behind, you know, grasping. Yeah. And life is not meant to be lived like that. And I would tell them my story and I would share the gospel. Like this is what, but this is what Jesus has done. You don't have to. Um, the gospel is powerful, man. It's not a, there's, there's always something supernatural on the gospel. It can become familiar to us, but there's always something supernatural on the gospel. And, um, and, uh, and I would, I, when I meet people who are, who, um, feel like the Lord is just sharing something, I'm asking the Lord, like, Hey, get, tell me about this person. Give me a word for this person. And so, um, I can't rely on me. 
My story is my part. Listening to the Holy Spirit is his part, what he has to say. And so often the Lord will give me something, um, whether that's a a scripture or a vision or a picture or um, a a word of knowledge or whatever that is. um, I've got to join in partnership with the Lord for the the person in front of me that he loves more than I do. Um, So I, I think it's, I think anytime you share your story and you share the gospel, um, just have faith to believe that God's going to do something in that moment. You have spoken some deep, deep truths. And honestly, I, I feel like when I was recording for season two, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. And this is what oh, God wanted me to hear. The performance part, I think we all go through that where we feel like we have to portray you easily talk about, you know, I'm a broken man. It's It's been very hard for me to say something like that. But now I'm getting comfortable in my skin in, in the sense where we're, we're deeply flawed, that we're seeking a perfect Savior that, yeah. that helps us through that. And uh, you, you're really touching on some things that I'm going to go home and really think about and pray about because I know there's a prophetic word coming from you. There's a There's a... You spoke into my spirit, and I know that when they listen to to this episode, it's, it's going to be blessed. I, I just want to thank you yeah. um, for just taking the time to speak your heart and speak some truth. What are some final words from Pastor Josiah that you would just share with somebody? Um, it's not all on you. It's not all on you. Um, we have nothing to prove. And nothing to lose. In a way. Nothing to prove because he's done it all. So. um, I can't hit the mark that he already did. I just say yes to what he's done. And the fruit of my yes is. Righteousness, holiness. The sanctification that happens continually happens, you know. Um. Nothing to prove there. And nothing to lose because the reward of the abundant life is already paid for. So I think as a believer, um, my pastor, one of the first things he said was like, I've got nothing to prove, nothing to lose. And it was like, really? Oh my gosh, that's true. Like he put language to what my soul had been saying. Um, And so I just... I feel the Lord now that um, that you can um, you can lay aside some of those weights. I'm not gonna be, not talking about sin. I'm talking about some of the stuff that you um, have carried that's not for you. Um, we we have spiritualized striving um, in so many ways, like that our pain is going to um, equal the blessing, you know, that the, that the anointing is in the crushing. And really what we, we're saying, if we're not careful, is that I'm going to get back on the cross too. And even that idea of like, um, more pain is going to equal more anointing. Um, God doesn't need your more pain to anoint you more like get in front of him and get in front of his face and hear what he has to say and say what he says don't spiritualize 
eating the apple so that you can uh, be more. Like mm-hmm. he, he's, di- he's done it. Um, and uh, even, you know, I pick up my cross. Um, you pick up your cross to be with Jesus and what he did. Not so that you can be crucified. Um, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, yeah, I'm going to put on this yoke. If I'm yoked, right, a yoke goes on two, two bulls mm-hmm. to plow the ground. That's the curse of man that you got to plow the ground. Toil the soil. If I'm if I'm putting on a yoke and I'm yoked next to Jesus, who's really plowing the ground? It's not my it's not my effort. Like all of these things that we have have spiritualized to to mean that our effort is going to mean something is really at enmity with the cross. Yeah. Like I did it, so you walk out the abundant life, and um, and and let me work. Let me, let me, um, I mean, he already did it. So he worked out the details, man. And so I just, uh, I just keep saying yes to Jesus. And that's a journey. Like I, I haven't arrived. I, I so easily every day, like I have to fall back into grace. I never graduate. It's not beginner Christendom or like grace. Grace is the beginning and the end. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's what I would share is like, You've got nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Say yes to Jesus. Receive the righteousness of God and, and, and watch how it works out in your yeah. life. The fruit, the fruit of life was, uh, the tree of life was the was the was a picture of the Holy Spirit and grace. Amen. No striving there. We're going to, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're going to end a little bit different today. Pastor Josiah is going to minister to us in song, and he's going to give us the benediction. So wherever you're at listening, if you feel like worshiping, God touches your spirit. God is doing something wonderful in you. Open up my eyes
thankful for your grace thankful for your voice God that's not hidden from us your will that's not hidden from us thankful for the completed work in you we can rest in you God that we've walked into the Sabbath we've walked into just a lifestyle of rest in peace because you completed it. You did it all. God, we walk away from performance and, and scarcity that there won't be enough. That I won't be enough. And we say yes to a new identity. More than enough. Abundant life in you. Thank you for Pastor Abraham and his yes that is opening doors and spreading your gospel and, and hope and, and wisdom to people. We just bless this ministry. We bless every listener, God. Um, I just sense even some um, a listener that um, uh, hasn't put their faith and trust in you doesn't even know how to start. Um, we thank you that your spirit is omnipresent. I pray that you would move in the room that they are now. And uh, that your presence would, would be there. Um, thank you that, it's, that you haven't made it complicated. You made it simple. And 
So we say yes to making you the king of our heart, the Lord of our life, that we don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to say yes to you and that your spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. We love you.